Want to go on a road trip? Then hitch a ride with Hayley. Would you go with me? If we were lost in fields of clover. Wednesdays, 10 a.m. UK time, online dancer radio. Love that one. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hitch a Ride with Haley. It's me, Haley Wheatley, back for another week as we travel and talk travel. That first one today was a Rob Fowler choreography. It's called Loyal Brave True, and it is from the new Mulan movie soundtrack. Beautiful. I taught it in my class for the first time last week, and we're going to have a crack at that one again tonight. I hope you're all doing well today. I'm just seeing we've got a couple che- checking into the chat room already. Good morning, Carly Lowther, and good morning, Jim Stankiewicz. Jim is saying good morning, good morning from the colonies. It is so lovely to have you with us, first thing. So, first up today, before we travel to any new destinations, I just noticed on social media, I don't know if you've seen this yourself, but there's a lot 
more holidaying going on at the minute. I've seen three people on my social media head off to Spain this week. Is it something you would consider? Are you planning travels or are you still staying safely at home for now? Well, I commend anybody who does both. Staying safe is fantastic. Getting back out there is fantastic too. Well, if you are heading to Spain, it was just a little conversation point for me this week that the, where we go nowadays, it's still very, very touristy. So this week I decided to do a little research on where can I find the Spain that still feels really Spanish? And the answer I found, a good answer, was in Galicia. In Galicia, people were social distancing before social distancing existed. In this undiscovered, underpopulated, unspoilt region that sprouts out of the top of Spain's left corner, spectacular beaches are empty by default. The prettiest of village plazas are serene, uh, well, at least until market day blows in and out again, and the curvy coastal roads are quiet. It sounds utterly precious, but we will investigate a little bit of why we think this is quiet. If you're interested, stay with me. First of all, I'm going to give you this little Spanish twist on one of our favorite dances. This is Vertical Expression, the Spanglish version. When she asked me to dance, I said, no, no, I have to let And then she took my hand Whispered a song so sweet and She said, hold me as close as you can Till my body's on fire It's just a vertical expression Of horizontal desire
wished I could stay all night Y al llegar a su casa Ella apagó la luz She said dance with me darling To the moon and the stars retire It's just the vertical expression Of horizontal desire Es una vertical expression Un deseo horizontal There we go, some Bellamy Brothers to start our day there. How better could we do it? And that's a Teresa and Vera choreography there and an old favourite to boot. So if you have just joined us and welcome, welcome. I'm looking in the chat room at some of these GIFs. Oh, Sandra Burns, your GIFs always cheer me up. Fantastic little wake up coffee one there. And of course, the first dance today was Loyal Brave True and we have a GIF to represent all. Daniel Dykemans is in the house too. He says, good morning, Hayley and all. So lovely to have you with us too, Daniel. We are talking about Spain and if you want to head out there, where could you go? That is a little bit more quiet and out of the norm. I have pinpointed today Galicia because Galicia is actually a little bit more quiet than your regular tourist destinations. Now, you can think of all the regular places Benidorm, Alicante area, Gran Canaria. I love all of those places. Tenerife, absolutely I would go there. But after reading a little bit research about Galicia, I really fancy going there. But why is it so quiet? Now, what would make this part of Spain so unbelievably quiet compared to all the other tourist destinations? Is it just badly advertised and untouched? And as we go there first today, I'm just going to take you through some little things that make it so quiet. Of course, it's not a province preoccupied with appearances, so what you won't find are people trying to blend in with the tourist ways. When the local dis dish is salted codfish and raisin pie, you know you're not dealing with an insta-savvy destination. How about the weather? Yes, it rains here more than anywhere else in Spain, but not actually in the summer when people want to visit. Accessibility? It can't be that, as visitors have no fewer than four airports to choose from, with the UK summer fares on all year round actually being at less than a hundred pound. Wow. Um, it may be an issue that very few locals here speak English. You won't hear any British accents in the supermarket because you don't have a lot of Brits move out to that area, especially if they don't speak Spanish because that no, mostly most of the speakers there do speak Spanish. The tourists, in fact, tend to be Spanish campers who perhaps live along the coasts there and want to visit and holiday in their own country in a nice, quiet area. And if you're used to the busy beaches of the Costas, you would be wowed here. One of the beaches is such a knockout, it was named the best in the world by an international newspaper in 2017. This was the Praia de Rodas on the Cies Islands. And you can actually get out there via ferry if you want to go. It's £14 return and the only place in this whole area you'll probably queue. Because it's so quiet, queuing is not a thing. 
As for the cities in Galicia, they come in that perfect do-in-a-day size. Saintly Santiago is a must. The sight of weary pilgrims with walking sticks will move even the most devout atheist, and the cafe culture is surprisingly rowdy. You can go there for some great food. Um, on the outskirts, you've got brilliant pescaderia restaurants which serve fish so fresh, such as turbo, osters, whelks, octopus that the spoiled locals will only eat out in the daytime because by the time the evening comes, they feel like the food is too uh, out of date, too stale. They want to eat it as fresh as possible. And in Galicia, you have the traditional instrument, which is the bagpipes. So if you go there, you can hear some beautiful music that is often played on the streets in the nice, quiet atmosphere. It goes without saying, you can't leave without experiencing the annual Turnip Greens Festival, Camellia Week, or the Savoury Pie Saturday. These are all genuine events on Galicia's unconventional calendar. Your photos might not get as many likes as an Ibiza cocktail pose, but then doesn't everything taste so much better when you don't have to share and that is my little walk through Galicia I have a Galician themed dance next this one is called Canto Galicia it's a Julio Iglesias song called Un Canta a Galicia and it's actually if you listen it's not Spanish it's sung in the Galician language which is another Latin very similar language to Spanish Eu quero te tanto E ainda não sabes Eu quero te tanto Terra do meu país Quero as tuas ribeiras Que me faz lembrar Os teus olhos tristes Déjame llorar Un canto a Galicia Cerrando me un pae Un canto a Galicia Mi niña tierra madre
And there we have it. We've been talking about a nice, quiet area in Spain. And if you can't get to Spain in person this year, do tune in with Julie on a Saturday morning when you can go to Benidorm with her, at least in spirit. And don't forget our Nikki is live with that All About Bands this afternoon. Looking forward to that one. I missed the end of last week's show, but she's fantastic. Tune in. So that last dance I played was Canto Galicia, and it was choreographed by Rini Stevens from the Netherlands. Okay, buckle up, hitchhikers, because we're going to go off to a new place now. I'm going to take you to India. First of all, I'm just going to pop into the chat room and see who is joining us on our travels. And here I see a lovely message from Steffi Cockcroft. She says, morning, sweetheart. Lovely to have you, Steffi, with us. Great to see you, honey. And Dee Musk is here. Morning, sunshine, listening in as always. Oh, Dee, my darling, it's so fantastic to see you. I've been watching your brand new dance, Safe and Sound, going up the charts should I say speeding up the charts it's fantastic well I think we should start my show with that one next week actually it's such a good track well done and congratulations with that lovely Uh, Judith Kennedy says I'm here so lovely to see you because I was 
hoping you would tune in today. That's my mum. Nikki Napier is here too. Morning, Hayley. Morning, all. She says, how lovely to have you join us, Nikki. And again, remember to tune in with Nikki this aft. Gerda Ver Verhagen is here too. Oh, hi, Gerda. She says, good morning, Hayley and all. How great to have you as usual. And as last week, some of these comments are just popping up a little late. So bear with me. I'll get through them all and hope I don't miss any. Oh, Angela Driver is here too. Good morning, Hayley, and a beautiful little gif of a sunshine now. Well, the place I am taking you to next, Hitchhikers, is India. It's a place we have never visited on this show on our travels yet. I would love to know in the chat room if anybody has ever been to India or even been close. Uh, I was speaking to someone the other day who had to cancel a trip to India this year. How disappointing. But then again, trips are being cancelled all over the place at the morning, at the morning, at the moment. So just thinking about it, okay, it's your first trip to India and the biggest question is where do you fly to? Do you fly to New Delhi or Mumbai? They would tend to be the two places that most flights go into. Well, I have researched this and after what I have read, I would definitely say New Delhi is the one to plump for. Delhi is more of a country, to be honest, than a city. It's a microcosm of India itself and there are said to be more people there than actually in the entire of Australia. Mumbai has the beaches and Bollywood glamour, of course. Arty intellectual Kolkata is a household name and Goa has breath-catching beaches. But none can match Delhi for sheer breadth. For many tourists, it's just a through route to Agra for the Taj or for the palaces and lakes. But stay if you go to Delhi and experience the India where cows amble freely and snake charmers operate, all the while admiring mirror-like skyscrapers grapers and browsing the best shops this side of Brooklyn. So first of all on our little trip to India today I'm going to take you through some things you can do if you hit down in New Delhi. We're going to imagine it's our first day there and we're going to see what we want to do when we get there. First up though I'm going to play this next dance. This was a Maggie Gallagher choreography. Think really hard about the one dance you would associate with India probably and this is the one that will spring to mind. I'm 
remember it certainly in the chat room Sandra and Jim remember it because as soon as I said which one can you think of they guessed it straight away well done guys that was a Maggie Gallagher choreography and the dance was called J-Ho the song was J-Ho from the movie Slumdog Millionaire if you remember it when I had my dance school we had the kids doing a fantastic Bollywood routine to that and I've never forgot it it was one of my best moments teaching them so I am taking you to New Delhi first today and I'm just going to take you on a little bit of a fantasy trip around the city and as I say a city indeed it is huge there is a huge population there so first of all we would go on a nice little walk and meet at Chandi Chowk which is the soak like heart of old Delhi now you can come here for all sorts of things even to have your jackets tailored and from that area there are streets that spiderweb from the main thoroughfare which are always full of commotion shoppers will bargain for bangles foot hawkers sell tea and the air is perfumed with incense breakfast and hot ghee there's also amazing places you can stop for prize-winning chai tea and sweet shops galore there to enjoy all the things you would like to do then in fact go to a shoebox store there with sweet milk and nugget scents in the same area and there's places that specialize in milk products too don't forget to look out for these cycle rickshaws i think we always think of these when we think of india how cool it would be to ride on there and you can do it i've heard for what for about 50p you can get on there from from that price upwards you can have a ride on one of these you could climb the 120 narrow steps of a southern minaret in the city's finest 360 degree view south across the broad esplanades of new delhi north to Shah Jahan's Kashmari Gate, with the old route north to Kashmir zigzagging against a pink horizon. Running from the stately India Gate to Rashtrapati Bhavan, 
the Indian Presidential Pile, and I hope my pronunciations are close. It was it was designed by the British architect Edward Lutyens in an east meets west melange of Parisian boulevards, Roman columns, and Buddhist-inspired domes. These were there in the dying days of the British rule. And what else could we see there? Lodi Gardens in Delhi is, is one of the loveliest places. A retreat from exhaust fumes and its swathes of flower beds and emerald lawns were laid out by Lady Willington, who was the wife of the Viceroy in 1936, around the scattered tombs of the Lodi's 15th century rulers of North India and Pakistan will lie there. You can go between all the boughs of the beautiful trees and be serenaded by hundreds of birds in that area. And by auto rickshaw in that city, you could probably get anywhere in about 10 minutes. Jardia Park, House Cass, is a great breather from the city streets. And you could even have a pit stop for a masala espresso at Yummy Coffee, which is there in the city too. You can go to the same area to browse hand-stitched leather bags and notebooks at Napa Dori. And also, handcraft brewed India pale ales will be available at most places in the city to sit chill and enjoy all the beautiful things that India has to offer. I think certainly I could relax and be a New Delhi resident amongst all this beauty. Now wait for it. If when this whole pandemic is over you want to fly to India, it may be cheaper than you expect. Air India can fly you from Heathrow for as little as £376 return. I do not think that's bad to get to Asia at all. And Virgin Atlantic also flies direct from Heathrow from £475 return, as does British Airways. Not bad if you want to head out to India. Certainly sounds good to me. All right, we're going to talk more about India. If you have anything to add, if you've uh, even if you've seen things on TV and you thought, oh, I'd love to go there, please let me know in the chat room and I'll read out the comments after the next one. I'm going to play one next. This dance was called Indian Summer, choreographed by Fred Whitehouse and Darren Bailey. I love a bit of stereophonics.
Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Weekdays, Good morning. 8 to 9.30 a.m. UK time. It's time to wake up with Willie. Live from Scotland, join Willie Brown for breakfast on Line Dancer Radio. Come and join multi-award-winning DJ and Crystal Boot Hall of Fame member Dave Baycroft for the monthly chart show, Saturdays 12 till 3, exclusively online dancer radio. Oh, cool. And we are in India, Hitchhikers. I hope you're enjoying. We've just had a little walk around New Delhi and I hope you enjoyed it. We played Jay Ho as our first dance of the day. And I mentioned it being a Maggie choreography, but Jim Stankovich is saying in the chat room, here in the States, it was Amy Christian's dance we did to the same name. And it was always a floor filler. Uh, Amy's done some great dances and actually I have one of hers coming up. So stay tuned. So we have enjoyed a little after afternoon already. Uh, we've been to Galicia and we've enjoyed our time in New Delhi. Afternoon, it is morning, but uh, we couldn't possibly do that in one morning. So I am just talking about India and the facts I have. And I just want to take this chance to highlight an Indian choreographer. And this lady is absolutely amazing. You probably will start to hear her name more and more if you haven't already. Her name is Monica Basin. And she is not only an inspiring writer, mother, teacher, she's now the new LDF ambassador for India. And she really is a shining light for line dancing in India itself. I was very honored to be asked to do a workshop for her with her class. And what a wonderful class she had. And they really seemed to recognize what a gem they had in Monica too. They all adored her and she is absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, Heather did have a chat with Monica on one of her shows. So if you want to tune in and catch up on that, you can find out a little bit more about Monica and who she is. You'll not be disappointed she really is fantastic and has the most beautiful accent i just want to take a chance to highlight some of her dances today that i have found and enjoyed and of course as with this show you're going to get your usual influx of facts from me so first off today i found a really nice one this one is hill magic road to true love that's what the dance is called Strange but true. They were the end of what I knew. Or still, the outcome hangs in time. My destiny, I'm yet to find. There was a girl, there was a boy. Love was found somewhere, somehow. And this adventure came to play. Torn apart the day The road to true love's never pays Within the sunshine but with rain And for the young hearts to survive They had to battle stormy tides Oh, he was gone and she was bold Then war was won, she was alone Story to this day, the dreams I see 
Road to True Love, choreographed by Monica Bassin. If you're in the chat room, I've shared a little photo of Monica there. She's really awesome. She is the founder of Merry Feet Line Dance in India. Lots of classes going on there with Monica. And if you did listen to Heather's show, she did say that the name was picked because it was such a happy name. She wanted to, to make it such a positive name. And Sandra Burns is saying in the chat room, I love it when you speak to me with gifs, Sandra. I hear you, I hear you. She's saying, I knew that. <laughs> and she's also added in a lovely little dancing cat. I love it. That cat, it's it's not quite Bollywood dancing, but but that cat is jiving. And in the background, is that the Himalayas there in the background of that gif there? Fantastic. All right, guys, your, your comments are still coming up. They're just coming a little slow, so I will catch up with them. So yes, I was talking about how wonderful Monica was, and we are heading down in India. Now, I always collect my facts for this show. You go away with a head full of new facts. I think I have something like 47 for today's show on India, so I, I won't read them all. If if you get sick, come into the chat room and say, Hayley, enough, enough, put another song on, and I sure will. My first fact for today, though, did you know that India was once an island, and even a part of the Antarctica? About 50 million years ago, it connected with the Asian continental plate, and the Himalayas was born. The name India derives from the river Indus. The name Hind is derived from the Persian equivalent of Sindh, as the Pers Persian H is cognate with the Sanskrit S. And the Persian word Stan means land or country, hence the name Hindustan. Yep, that was a mouthful. India has the second largest population in the world. As of 2020, there are more than 1.2 billion people in India. China is currently the most populous country in the world with 1.4 billion. However, India is predicted to take the top spot as soon as 2024. That's not, not far away. India is the seventh largest country in the world. The total land area of India is 3.287 million kilometers squared. It is the world's largest democracy by population size. 
thousands of languages are spoken all over India. There are 22 recognized languages with Hindi and English being the official languages. However, other commonly spoken languages include Bengali, which is the second most spoken language, Telugu, Tamil, Urdu and Punjabi. There are as many as 19,500 known languages and dialects across the country. Hindi is the fourth most spoken language in the world with 310 million native speakers. That's 4.5% of the world's population. That's crazy. The national symbol of India is the endangered Bengal tiger. I love tigers. I love them. Thanks to conversation efforts, the population of the Bengal tiger has been slowly increasing from around 1,800 tigers in 2010, and there is an estimated 3,000 as counted in 2018. Well done. India is the second largest English-speaking country in the world. There are around 125 million speakers. Uh, which is about 10% of the population. It's second only to the USA, which currently has more than three, uh, has just more than 300 million speakers. There you go, USA. Hinduism, the world's oldest religion, is the most popular religion in India. Nearly 80% of the Indian population follows Hinduism. Islam is the second most popular. That's 14.2%. Then Christianity, Sikhism, Buddhism, and Jainism. And my next fact and last fact before this next song, because you'll be ready for another one soon. India gained independence from Britain in 1947. After nearly a century of British rule, known as the British Raj, from 1858 till 1947, prior to British rule, much of the Indian subcontinent was ruled by the Mughal Empire for more than 300 years. Okay, let's hear another one of Monica's songs coming up next. I love this one. I love the sentiment of this one. It is called Good Things Take Time. Just fine Greatest world that's waiting Go 
just take time. That was Good Things Just Taste Time. Good things just take time. Choreographed by Monica Bassine. I love the applause at the end. Fantastic. And uh, I am just checking back in the chat room again. These these gifs are finally loading. And Sandra is saying, Haley, I love the gifs. A picture says a thousand words. Indeed, it really does. Just like my kids will always say they learned from their great granddad, a hug means a thousand kisses. And it's true with a picture. It means a thousand words. And of course, we were talking about the bang tigers and Jim is saying you love tigers and this is Jim trying to bring it back around to Disney he is just as sneaky as I am when it comes to that Sandra Burns was just saying about that last song of Monica's good things take time it uh, the intro reminds me of some the intro of this song she says reminds me of something else and I would agree with that actually Sandra that is going to actually keep me busy guessing all day once I figure it out I, I see that it's got something else related to it there we are touching down in India and just seeing what we think there I am full of Indian facts today so here is a few more I'm going to fire at you let me know if you've heard them before did you know that superstar Freddie Mercury is of Indian origin known as the world's first Indian rock star Freddie was born of Parsi origin with the name Farrakh Bulsara wasn't he amazing as well there never has been another Freddie Mercury 70% of all the world's spices come from India. India is the world's largest arms importer. Indeed, India has the world's second largest military with over 1.39 million active troops. So guys, don't go picking a fight with India. During World War II, India produced the largest volunteer army in the world. Well done, India. Over 2.5 million men served for the British Empire. At least 38 Indians received the Victoria Cross or the George Cross for their bravery. And here's one you might know. Chess was invented in India. And uh, apparently, Indians are still very, very good at it. One of the oldest games in the world and what that is actually still played. This very popular game was invented around the 6th century AD. India is the world's largest producer of milk. And they, they recently overtook the European Union in milk production here. Uh, India reached over one point, uh, no, 132.4 million tonnes in 2014. Children's Day in India is celebrated on November the 14th. That's coming up too. But here we go. Is it a coincidence that it's exactly nine months after Valentine's Day? Hmm. India has over 300,000 mosques and it also has the largest number of vegetarians in the world. Around 20 to 40% of the population in India are vegetarians. Religious reasons is a major, uh, are a major factor, uh, especially in Hinduism and Jainism. But another factor is just personal choices. Fantastic. My mom's a veggie too, so she would be fine eating all that beautiful vegetarian Indian food. Talking of chess being invented there, did you know that snakes and ladders also originated in India? The game was initially invented to teach young children about morals and karma. It was later commercialized and has become one of the world's most popular board games. 
and at over 5,000 years old, Varanasi, can I pronounce this? Varanasi is one of the oldest inhabited places on earth. It's one of India's holiest cities too. According to Hindu mythology, Lord Shiva founded the city 5,000 years ago. I'm going to bring you some more weird and crazy facts about India next. I hope you're still enjoying being tuned in and still enjoying the facts. I can see some likes coming up in the chat room. Phil Wheatley's here. He's saying morning all. And Sandra Burns, another great gif there. All, all good things come to those who wait. I'm getting Hannibal Lecter vibes there, though, I must also say. Sandra was just saying, anyone else hear Maneater by Hall and Oates? I don't, I don't recognize that song. I need to listen to that. Thanks for the suggestion, Sandra. You're going to keep my brain busy, busy. Uh, Sandra is saying, Haley, I knew about Freddy's origins. I also watched a Queen documentary type program last night, just last night, Sandra. She says, I, I think it was Queen's greatest hits, but it wasn't just playing the music. It was telling you a bit about it too. Very interesting. Jim is saying, Sandra, is it the fact that the do-do-do's sound like Stevie Wonder's part-time lover? Good, good suggestion there too, Jim. We're going to keep all guessing over this one, aren't we? I'm going to let you think about it some more while I play this next song. This is the last one of Monica's I want to highlight, but I really like the beat to this one. It's called Highway Beat, this dance.
I love that one. Highway B, that's a great track, great track there. Thank you, Monica, for letting me steal some of these tracks today. I have to say, she has fast become my favorite Indian choreographer. Uh, fantastic, look out for this name, Monica Bassin. I'm gonna just talk a little bit more about weird and crazy fact about India here. There are more people in India than in the entire Western hemisphere of Earth. That is an unbelievable fact, huh? The first rocket in India was transported on a bicycle. It was so light and small that it was transported to the Thumba launching station in Kerala by bicycle. In West Bengal, India, cows must have a photo ID card. Is that a true one? That sounds like a white elephant there. It sounds like a, a false one. A cow smuggling tunnel was discovered in 2017 under the India-Pakistan border. After the United States and the UK, India is the third in terms of records claimed by the Guinness Book of Records. London has more Indian restaurants than Mumbai or Delhi, really? And India's first president only received 50% of his salary. This is inspiring. Listen to this. When taking office, Dr. Rajendra Prasad took just 50% of his pay, claiming he did not require more than that. Towards the end of his presidency, he then only took 25% of his salary. What an inspiring person. Only 3% of Indian citizens pay income tax. It's illegal for foreigners to take Indian currency, the rupees, out of India. That's one I can't believe. A village in India is the wettest place on earth. Okay, so due to its close proximity to the Bay of Bengal, uh, I, again, I'm going to attempt to pronounce this uh, Mosinram in Meghalaya state holds the record with 11,873 millimeters of rain annually. Interesting. The world's largest family lives together in India, a man with 39 wives and 94 children. My goodness, that guy has his hands full. One wife is enough for most of the guys I know. There's a hill in India that defies gravity. The strange phenomenon was discovered on a stretch of road near Tulsi Shyam in Gujarat. Signs at the road instruct drivers to park their cars and leave them in neutral and the cars begin to roll up the hill against the pull of gravity. I, d I do not know how that would work. Some great comments coming into the chat room. We were just talking about one of the songs sounding like something else. Jim Sankwich is saying, Sandra, is it the fact that the doo-doos in that song sound like Stevie Wonder's part-time lover? And Sandra's giving him a, a gif round of applause saying that's it. She's put down the link if you're in the chat room and you want to listen to that song too and see if you can find a comparison. I'm going to listen to it after the show. Very cool. Thanks for these comments coming into the chat room, guys. Great to hear from you. Uh, Sandra Burns is saying the village in India that gets the most rain should be twinned with Scotland. Indeed, it is very rainy up in the north of Britain. Okay, we were talking about Amy Christian's J-Ho earlier. And I have a great track to play you next. This is by Alicia and the song is called Made in India. There were several dances to this actually. Uh, one was called Joy of India by Leng Bumeng. Uh, Penny Tan did one called Made in India. 
Elkie Weinberger did one called Made in India and of course the lovely Amy Christian did one called Made in India and I believe hers did very very well. This is my next track.
Made in India. What a cool song. I wish that had reached the UK, but a great one there by Amy Christian and others. And Sandra Burns has put a great gif in the chat room there just to celebrate that Made in India. And it is this guy popping out of a box. He's been made in India. Great job, India, on that one. Okay, are you ready for some more Indian facts here? There is a huge lake in India that was formed by a meteor, one of the best kept secrets in Maharashtra. I should have really practiced pronouncing these before the show. Maharashtra state is the Lonar Lake that was created when a meteor plummeted into it some 52,000 years ago. And I have a little picture of this here. It's, it's beautiful, actually. I'll share that in the chat room coming up. The number of people traveling on India's trains each day is equal to the population of Australia. And the Taj Mahal in Agra, India, is one of the most famous landmarks on earth and tops the list of the seven wonders of the world. Chai tea is a national drink of India. Uh, the delicious masala chai tea consists of tea leaves with spices and is a must for everyone and anyone who visits India. Uh, I love chai tea, actually. I wonder what the difference is tasting it over here and over there. I wonder if it is better. I've heard that we don't know what we're missing. The Bailey Bridge located in the Ladakh Valley is the highest bridge in the world. And India is home to the world's first floating post office, which was inaugurated in 2011. The Golden Temple of Amritsar feeds up to 100,000 people, regardless of race, religion, or class, for free every single day. That's wonderful. And the Kumbh Mela is the world's largest festival. Now, this gathering is so huge that crowds can be seen from out of space. There's an experimental township in India called Oroville, where citizens are from all over the world, and there is no money there on no religion. The Himalayas have nine uh, out of ten of the world's highest peaks, uh, the highest peak uh, being Mount Everest in neighboring Nepal, which stands at 8,848 meters. I'm going to rush through these last facts because then I fit them all in. The food of India is world famous, although Indian cuisine is considered the favorite dish in many countries, including the UK. It is more authentic and of better quality when eaten in India. That's enough to book a plane ticket as it is. India planted nearly 50 million trees in 24 hours on Monday, the 11th of July, 2016. They set a new Guinness World Record. There we go. That's my last fact of the day. Now, coming up, I one place I've always wanted to visit in India and see in my life, it's on my bucket list, it's a big bucket list, is to see the Taj Mahal. In photographs, doesn't it look just amazing? Fantastic. This last song I'm going to play is a choreography by Roy Vadonk and Pim. Van Grutel, and it's because the artist singing it is called Taj Mahal. Yo!
And shove that prawn on the barbie and join Dazza Down Under. Sundays, 8 a.m. UK time on Line Dancer Radio. There we go. Don't forget to join Dazza Down Under if you want to take a trip down to Australia with our shows. Hey, but as we've just discovered, the population of Australia is less than the population in New Delhi itself. We have been touching down in India and I hope you're, you've had as good a time as me. Anyway, I've shared some pictures in the chat room there of uh, Dr. Rajendra Prasad. The, this guy that gave half of his wage away. What, what a wonderful guy. And uh, Jim has also shared a fantastic photo in the chat room. Now, if you look in this picture here, I played a dance called Made in India. And Jim in the chat room here is with the choreographer, Amy Christian. She's a very beautiful lady. Actually, I nearly fell off my chair when I found out how old she was. Uh, she probably doesn't want me to talk about this, but she just looks amazing. She just never ages. Thank you for that photograph there, Jim. That's a great one. Uh, I've shared some pictures here a great gif Sandra Burns has shared uh, of this architecture and throughout that last song I was trying to figure out in this chat room as I see this what that actually is it's, it's a great it's, it's a wowing that that kind of rush through the architecture in this gif that you've shared Sandra it looks a little bit like the building that's behind one of my photos here of the golden temple uh, I shared this picture of the lake that was formed by a meteor doesn't it look stunning if you can see that in the chat room if not you'll have to use your imagination because it is just a beautiful lake surrounded by trees with a sunset to the right Ross Brown is here morning Haley and listeners 
I've got you switched on as I set up for my show. So don't forget, Ross is with us next as soon as I finish. He says good morning and he says listening to this. Now he wants an Indian meal. Lol. Yes, I, I'm getting hungry for a masala for lunch now. Glenn Kennedy is in the chat room. This is my brother who's joined me. He is a musician who has traveled the world and he is telling me that he met Taj Mahal. Wow, lovely guy, he says. I've shared a photograph of the Taj Mahal, one of the places that really is at the top of my bucket list. I read about it and it sounds amazing about its history. I could do a show on how much I love it. Uh, Jim Stankwich is saying, uh, Hales, is this a reflection of how your language classes are going playing so many tracks with scatting in them. So that last track was Upu Padu, <laughs> and it was choreographed by Roy Vadonk and Pim Van Grutel, uh, just to celebrate that Taj Mahal there. Glenn Kennedy has shared another video of Taj Mahal's there if you want to see it. He, he sounds great, Taj Mahal, fantastic. I want to welcome you into the chat room too, Jean Robinson. Hello, she's saying morning all. I have been tuned in, but been doing the boring jobs. I hear you, Jean. The only reason I host this show is to get out of those boring jobs. Let me tell you, I'd be doing them otherwise, and I don't like them. Jim has shared a great gif there too. Fantastic. I feel sad to be leaving India. We're going to go to a new destination, but I've enjoyed it so much. How lovely it would be to, to sample those chai teas and masalas in New Delhi. Uh, we can dream, and that's where we've been dreaming of this morning. Next, I'm going to take you to Uruguay. Uruguay is a South American country known for its verdant interior and beach-lined coasts. It's one that many people forget about, actually. It's there, not far, uh, just to the right above Argentina. Uh, again, just a little, little way above Buenos Aires. The capital of Uruguay is Montevideo, which revolves around Plaza Independencia, uh, once home to a Spanish citadel. It leads to Ciudad Vieja, which basically translates as Old City, with Art Deco buildings, colonial homes, and Mercado del Puerto, uh, an old port market with many steakhouses. Yum. Uh, could we could we fit in steak after our Indian lunch? La Rambla, a waterfront promenade, passes fish stalls, piers, parks, everything. You've got the whole whammy if you want to go to Uruguay. And it is a place, as I say, that you don't tend to think of. We think of Chile, we think of Argentina, we think of Mexico, all those places. But let's learn a little bit more about Uruguay on our trip today. Again, I normally say, has anyone been? These places are a little obscure, so not the type of place especially if you're from the UK that you could book a ticket to hey where are you going this year oh I'm off to Uruguay it, it's very unusual but very cool if you've done it um wow let me know if you have or if you've even heard of it in the chat room first up I'm gonna play a song that is very very popular in Uruguay at the moment it's topping the Uruguayan charts and there are several dances to it I'll let you know about those as soon as we listen to the track here's the weekend with blinding lights
the weekend with blinding lights you got some great dance choices for that one and Kristen Sandberg from Norway has done a fantastic improver to that and Gudrun Schneider with Danny Dick has done an easy improver to that which is also blooming fantastic and I must take a point and recommend this one because I only found this dance actually when looking over the track and what was written to the track and it's a little absolute beginner by Karen Hadley I was dancing it as I watched her video and I'm going to teach it in class. It's fantastic, Karen. So have a little look for that one if you're looking for a nice little easy one uh, for class. It's called Blinding Lights AB. And we are in Uruguay, where that is a very popular song. In the chat room, we are celebrating some great GIFs here. Thanks, Sandra. Montevideo, a brilliant GIF of the place there. And of course, the steak. And I'm very grateful to have you with us each week, Sandra, because you can fill in all the football blanks for us. Indeed, Uruguay has a football team and we have a flag there too thank you for the gifs fantastic so Uruguay what else has is there to know about this place well the national anthem of Uruguay is the longest in the world in 1833 the orientales la patria o la tumba which trans translates as Uruguayans, the fatherland or the grave, was officially proclaimed the national anthem of Uruguay. Orientales comes from the official name of the country, which is the Oriental Republic of Uruguay. Uh, this mammoth of an anthem has no fewer than 11 verses and 105 bars of music. It's almost five minutes long, making it the longest national anthem music in the world. Tango was born in Uruguay. Do we believe this one? We always think of it being Argentina. Actually, 
This is not strictly true. Uruguay cannot lay sole claim to the tango, and neither can Argentina. The sultry dance was in fact invented by the urban lower classes in both Buenos Aires and Montevideo in the Rio de la Plata basin which forms the natural border between the two countries. In 2009 both countries successfully applied to include the tango in the UNESCO intangible cultural heritage lists. And in Uruguay, they have a Gnocchi Day. The 28th day of each month is officially Gnocchi Day, uh, or as they would say there, Dia de Gnocchi. The day when most families will cook this potato-based pasta uh, happens each, each, each time on the 29th. This used to be the day before payday. This is why it happened traditionally, when people ran low on money, so they wanted something filling. They chose gnocchi, made from an inexpensive ingredient like uh, potatoes and flour. So there we go. This is, a, this is a nod to the strong Italian influence, actually, in Uruguay, as a result of the large immigration from Italy that happened between around the 1870s to the 1960s. Gnocchi is nice. Do we like it? Do you see? Have you ever seen it? You can get it packaged actually in Aldi. It's just like little round potatoes, but it's always with the pasta, which is strange to get potatoes with pasta. But you taste it, you'll see why. Okay, another fact here salt shaming. They are very, very strict on their salt in Uruguay and they are cracking down on sodium. Uruguay has had problems with obesity and arterial pressure. To combat, combat this, the government has introduced laws to make salt less accessible and in fact the salt shaker has been banned. In Uruguay salt is banned from schools and from being served on tables in restaurants and if you want salt you have to actually ask the waiter to come and bring you some. The same applies to ketchup and mayonnaise too. The law also requires restaurants to provide warnings on menus about salt consumption and must offer low sodium alternatives to its clients. Now salt is a bit of an argument in my house because I refuse to put it on the table often. I don't I don't think that it's really needed. I grew up not eating salt on my food or putting salt on my food and if I use it in cooking I use sea salt which is a slight slightly better alternative. I would love to know actually uh, who puts salt on their food. You know when when you sit on the table and I was talking to somebody who does it um, a lot um, and I think my husband said too when it's there you kind of pick it up and put it on as a habit. And we had a friend who said for many years about putting salt in their food. When he was told he couldn't eat salt, that was when he really had to use his brain because he would just pick it up and put it on as a natural thing. It would just go on and you would say, do you know what you're doing? You're putting salt in your food. You're not allowed it. Oh, I didn't realize I was doing it. Sorry, is anyone else like that? I'd love to hear in the chat room if you put salt in your food. If you don't put salt in your food, if you do it without even thinking. And it seems a perfect time as we're talking about salt for this old favorite dance. This is Kate Salas, Sea Salt Sally. Squeeze. I tell myself she belongs to me, that she's my boat. 
Sunday brunch with Gary S. Ten till twelve PM here online dance and radio. Line Dancer Radio, launched in July 2018 and growing fast. Meet the team and check out our shows. Tune in via the website, the apps, or with Alexa. So much variety and choice. A fantastic team of DJs bringing you non-stop line dance music. Line Dancer Radio, the best online radio station. Okay, Hitchhikers, we're still here in Uruguay and we were talking about all things Uruguayan. We were talking about tango and we have all the gifs in the chat room if you look in there to celebrate this. And also, Sandra Burns has shared us a lovely gif of some gnocchi there. It looks delicious. I'm definitely ready for lunch now. We were talking about how Uruguay have put a fantastic ban on salt. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should we just have salt to hand whenever we want it or should they try to help? 
help us to cut, should the government try to help us cut salt out of our diet? Uh, Sandra Burns has put a great gif on why so salty. And she said, I don't put salt on the table. I put it on my chips. Fantastic point, Sandra. Um, funny enough, do you know what I was thinking as well? It, it tastes good on chips. We've got to admit salty chips taste great right but I never put salt on them at home in fact I do use a seasoning uh, it's a Polish seasoning called Chiprava which you can buy from the international island somewhere like Tesco's and it tastes great try it on your chips it's meant to be for soups but if you have uh, chips put it on them but when you go to McDonald's or uh, eat out somewhere if if the chips aren't salty it's just shameful eh I once tried a fry from McDonald's that hadn't been salted and it tasted like cardboard. It was gross, I have to say. So salt definitely helps with the flavor there. Glenn Kennedy is saying, this sounds like a case of a salt. I'll leave that one with you. And a great gif from Ross Brown there. Come on, Sally. So just looking at other things in Uruguay, do we have any wine fans in the chat room? Well, Uruguay has excellent wines. Uruguayan wine? I bet you didn't even know it existed. Well, I, I sure didn't. I don't think I've ever tried it. But there is a massive wine industry in the country with over 20,000 acres devoted to it. Uruguay is one of the top five wine producers in South America. This is along with Argentina, Chile, Brazil and Peru. Uh, with the Tanat grape being the most famous. And if if I think about which of those you tend to try, it's amazing that those five are top. Uh, I would think of Chilean wine immediately. Uh, we'd get a lot of that in the UK, not so much the others, although I have tried wine from Argentina and Brazil. I can't say I've ever tried it from Peru or Uruguay. Here's a fun and, and different fact, sheep outnumbers human population in Uruguay. And Uruguay is the first nation in the world to give school children free Wi-Fi and a laptop. That's fantastic. When translated, the name Uruguay means river of the painted birds. In 2013, Uruguay was once named by the economist as nation of the year. Uh, since 2013, every citizen of Uruguay has been allowed to buy 40 grams of marijuana at their pharmacy for their own personal use due to the good price of $1 per gram, as specified by the state. Many former drug lords have now left the unprofitable drug business. Uruguay is the only country in Latin America situated completely south of the Tropic of Capricorn. The only Olympic gold medals Uruguay has ever won are for soccer at both 1924 and 1928 Olympics. So I'm guessing they're not too bad at soccer. I know that Sandra comes into the chat room and lets us know all those football facts. So you can let me know if that's the case in the chat room, Sandra. We are having a few more comments coming up in the chat room now. I'm just looking. Um, Glenn is saying, I get headaches when I'm very low in salt. Just talking about salt again. So I have to have some when I feel better. Very interesting. And uh, Sandra is shaking her head at wine. Nope, not a wine drinker. That's all right. We can still have, have a drink, Sandra. You can have a beer. I'll have a wine. Uh, Sinead is in the chat room. Sinead Williams. Hi, Haley. Just a quick drop in while working. Well, it's fantastic to have you with us. Enjoy your work, Sinead. We are in Uruguay and I have another little fact here. The former president of Uruguay, Jose Mujica, earned a monthly salary of 12,000 US dollars during his time as president. Now, this is a little bit similar to the story I was telling you earlier about the Indian president 
president because Jose, he donated 90% of his salary to charities that benefit poor people and earned himself the nickname of the world's poorest president. That's kind of cool. I've heard a lot about the negatives of the dictatorship that was in Uruguay um, at the end of last century. And it seems like it is some of those negative facts that come. But in that dictatorship, I heard about a lot of ambassadors and presidents that really reigned and would even give up their bed for poorer citizens or refugees on a night. There's some lovely stories about this if you delve into the history of Uruguay. And this is just another fact. This Uruguayan president, Jose Mujica, Uh, the world's poorest president indeed let's celebrate him with this next track seems a bit of a shame but here it is poor boy shuffle I'll join hands and circle round grab your partner and slide on down have a man left here we go don't side don't side don't working man tired of working working till he's dead gotta crawl a crooked mind just to get a step ahead Sometimes you just got to take a chance 
Fantastic dance that was, the poor boy shuffle, do we remember it? In the chat room, Sandra Burns, you're ticking me off here. She says, Haley, soccer, football, surely. Sorry, Sandra. It says I jump nation to nation. I lose track sometimes with what I'm saying. I guess if we're in Uruguay, I should say football, which is what they call it there. Glenn Kennedy says, Uruguay was the first host and first winner of the FIFA World Cup in 1930. A great football fact there. I'm going to reel off the last of my Uruguayan facts here. Uruguay is the only country whose name in English has the same letter three times as its first five letters. Uruguay is one of only two countries in Latin America where abortion is legal on request. The other country is Guyana. London has almost three times as many inhabitants as Uruguay. Uruguay's official, 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 official national motto is Libertad o Muerte, which means liberty or death. I just had a stutter there, bear with me. Houses in Uruguay are not marked with numbers as in other countries, but instead they all have their own specific name. I like that. I think that's nice. Uruguay legalized same-sex marriage in May 2013. This was not only ahead of all the other South American countries, it was before they even did so in the UK. Well done, Uruguay. And the small city of Minas in Uruguay has set a world record for hosting the largest ever barbecue. So there we have it. Some nice Uruguayan uh, little facts there. I hope you've enjoyed being here too. We've certainly skipped around today from Europe to Asia to South America. And uh, I know you're going to love this next song, Sandra, as well. This one is Jerusalem. It is one of the favorites in Uruguay at the moment. It really is. So that's why I hear it here. I'm going to play it for you. Fish. 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 I can't unhear that now. Jerusalem, Ikayalami, Ilondolose, Uhambenami, Zumangishilana, Jerusalem, Ikayalami, Ilondolose, 
time to go around the world with Ross Brown. Join Ross on his travels Wednesday, 12 p.m. here on Line Dancer Radio. Stay tuned. Ross will be with you as soon as I'm finished today in just over 10 minutes. I can't believe it's flown past today. So you get to travel to all these enjoyable destinations with me. And then when I'm finished, Ross is going to take you to events around the world and let you know what they've been dancing there. How full does that make your Wednesday mornings? Fantastic. So we are running out of time. We have only 10 minutes. I just played Light It Up There. That was a fantastic Gary O'Reilly choreography. And that's because lastly today I was just going to hit on the little subject as we've come back from our travels to the Northern Lights. It's just as we were chatting about the Taj Mahal I realized one of the things on my bucket list that I still haven't experienced yet is chasing the Northern Lights Uh, and of course people use the verb chasing because it designates the action of following something persistently and this actually reveals what seeing the Northern Light is all about because there is a whole science behind the apparition of the of of the aurora borealis and actually seeing it and planning your trip is something you certainly want to do you need to pick places that are very very far north i was hoping to get to iceland this year Uh, lady covid decided that was not the case she stopped me But uh, just if you're thinking of heading out there in the last five minutes today, I just want to highlight some places you could go to see it. Of course, the first would be Reykjavik, Iceland. Iceland is a paradise for aurora hunters. The country is located in the KP2 zone, which means there are high, high chances of seeing the light, even if solar activity is not so strong. As a traveler, you may be best going to Reykjavik first there, Uh, which is the capital of Iceland as you've got plenty of activities to do there during the day and you can plan to chase the light at night uh, away from the city and where there's less light pollution would be best. Another place is Greenland very similar to Iceland it is even less populated and sees even fewer tourists. The immensity of frozen scenery glaciers waterfalls and scattered villages define this land and the town's airport is a main hub for people who specifically travel to Greenland to see these lights and would you believe Russia is third on my list the town is ideally located above the Arctic circle and is easily accessible by plane due to some of the light pollution you really need to get as far out of town as possible to enjoy the dazzling displays that can be seen there of course you don't have to do it on your own there are tours there with agencies and they definitely know their way around these amazing places Fourth on my list would be Tromsø in Norway and if you ever look at the pictures and Google this this particular place one of the first images that pops up are some beautiful sights of these northern lights. It is northern Scandinavia is a favorite spot for these aurora hunters and Tromsø is among the most accessible places for light shows in the northern part of Norway. It's located in the Auroral Oval, which is approximately 70 degrees north latitude. And the town has an airport with very good connections to Oslo too, so it's not so difficult to get there. Fifth on my list 
is Rovaniemi in Finland, uh, the capital of the Finnish Lapland. Oh, I always wanted to go to Lapland, but it is ridiculously expensive to get there. It's one of the best places to, to, to see these dancing displays in the northern part, and it's also known to be the hometown of Santa Claus. The town is located right on the Arctic Circle, and it has its own airport with good connections to the big capital that is Helsinki, or even to London if you want to fly from there. In addition to hunting the northern lights, you have that amazing experience of the Christmas atmosphere. You can visit places such as Santa's Village or Santa's Park. Many reindeer and husky farms are run in the area, and so this alongside experiencing the Sami culture and tasting the traditional meal there in their tents makes for a truly authentic experience. Six on my list, sixth, I should say, is Abisko in Sweden. Uh, this is uh, what's known as the Swedish Lapland and is the most northern place you can get in Sweden for this particular reason. It is a preferred outpost for Aurora spotters. The nearby surroundings have lots of wonderful things to do including a chairlift that whisks you up to the mountaintop where you can find an exhibition dedicated to the northern lights. So interesting places to go there too and let's not forget that some of the islands that you can head to up in northern Scotland you will also be able to see the northern lights for there and it was once mentioned to me too that certain times of the year in certain places you can see them even as suddenly as in my own homelands which are Newcastle too. Um, Glenn Kennedy is saying in the chat room, I saw the light in Reykjavik last year. It wasn't an extremely bright light night, though. I think they were a wee bit brighter in Alaska. It I guess it depends on the clouds and a ton of other factors. It would be amazing to see these. Sinead has shared a gif here. She says, yay, northern Norway. Oh, Sinead, have you ever seen them? What a brilliant gif there. Sandra shared a fantastic gif. I love that one, Sandra, because you've got all the stars in the background and it's moving quickly uh, it's a beautiful sight I wonder uh, as I look at these gifs uh, how they've been photographed and, and and what the person seeing them must have felt it really is on my list I didn't know you could see them in northern Norway as well all the times I've come out to teach in Norway and yet I've never had a chance to get that far north certainly this is on my bucket list and with my suggestions there today perhaps it's now on yours too and the time has come for me to get ready to leave you, but I'm so grateful for all the wonderful comments in the chat room today and for those of you joining in. These journeys would not be half as exciting without my fellow travel companions, so thank you hitchhikers for hitching a ride with me today. Next week will be a very special show. We're going to celebrate Halloween. So what we're going to do is take a little look at how different cultures and countries celebrate Halloween around the world and hopefully I'm going to be able to find some great dance tracks to to back those up. So don't forget to join me this time next week. Stay tuned right now because Ross Brown will be with you very shortly. And talking about all those beautiful lights, I'm going to finish with this Debbie Rushton dance. It's a fantastic Rebecca Ferguson, Ferguson song and it is called Light On. Thanks guys. See you next week. We all have the church. That goes down different We all have the journey That goes down different roads When dark and shadows hide our path We can walk through it on our own 
While alone in the shadows, I saw something shining through. And standing there was you. You kept the light up for me to see. It's like you knew through every moment what I need. When I was lost out in the distance and needed someone to believe, you always kept the light up. Heartache. We shared this all together. You are mine. Forget me not. I hold on to you forever. As constant as the sun, and as faithful as the moon. Your love was mine too. You can't. Dances from Asia. Join Philip Tuesdays, 12 till 2 p.m. for Asia in Line, the heart of Asia. We're online 24 7. 24 7. You're listening to the hottest internet station.